Hello, and thank you for tuning in. I just want to give you guys a heads up that we actually recorded this podcast before the death of the good, bad, and the ugly composer, Ennio Morricone. He passed away at 91 years old on July 6th. He uh, most recently did the theme for The Hateful Eight. Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. He actually won an Oscar for that. It's the only Oscar he ever won. Well, actually, he won an honorary Oscar in 2007, but this was the only competitive Oscar that he won. I mean, he had such a long career. He uh, he did smaller movies. He did big-budget movies. Uh, the Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, did the theme for that. Bugsy, Days of Heaven, Once Upon a Time in the West, Once Upon a Time in America. He did seven movies for Sergio Leone. He did some uh, smaller Italian horror films, such as Four Flies on uh, Grey Velvet, which was directed by Dario Argento. Um, another one he did uh, that I liked was Black Billy of the Tarantula. So, this guy was a legend. Uh, we're going to miss him, but um, I can say with confidence that we'll be listening to his music for a very, very long time. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Top 250 Podcast. I'm Sam Kane, and our movie today is it's an epic spaghetti western film from 1966. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today, I have my buddy Whitman Scholes with me. Hey, everybody. Now, this is the, the third film and what's known, sometimes referred to as the Man With No Name trilogy. I want to buy this on Blu-ray, and I wish I wasn't so poor. Otherwise, I'd get a huge TV, the best TV to watch it on, because uh, the cinematography is just so beautiful. The, Outstanding. The landscapes. This was filmed mostly in Spain. The, the movie's supposed to take place in... Um, the old west yeah yeah the, the american american desert i i think it's 1862 yes it, it is 1862 yeah, yeah so the very beginning of uh, the american civil war now you watch some of if i didn't know it was filmed in spain most of it i i probably would have been like oh okay so they shot most of this in america but the one scene where I kind of realize, all right, this doesn't look like America, is the extended scene in the, the desert where they're walking around and there's just those hills of uh, sand that are everywhere. I can't really picture a place like this in America. I mean... Yeah, I, I just I don't really associate, like, dunes. Yeah, yeah, America. that's it. The, the sand dunes. It, so that was really the only scene. Otherwise, you don't really notice. They filmed on a studio set in Rome. They might have filmed one exterior in Rome as well. Just beautiful cinematography. It's yeah, so I mean, nice. just the, the opening shot oh is, is incredible. I mean, it's this, you know, the long shot of the, the vista, and you're just paying attention to the scenery, and then suddenly that intense, extreme close-up with with no with no cut, just you know, as the as the guy emerges from the the bottom of the the frame, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's funny you you 
constantly have uh, flies just zooming into the shot over the place and it's so noticeable it i mean it makes it so authentic like you you feel like you're you're really in the west with them that what would happen bugs would be flying up to you 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 see other western films and that doesn't really seem to be as much of a factor just bugs like getting on screen in fact maybe some directors would be like all right we can't use this scene because there's a fly yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate it that they didn't shy away from showing the actors covered in dust and sweat and, and flies uh, on them or around them. Yeah, it really lent to that, that air of authenticity. The only time that I kind of noticed that a character was, like, too clean, where Angel Eyes is, uh, is interrogating Carson's uh, lover. Yeah, that's um, right. Ex- like, her clothes were extremely white and clean but yeah but for the rest of the movie I, I was definitely impressed with that decision to to keep those shots in there and to keep things looking not artificially dirty but like actually dirty yeah keeps it so gritty realistic this is like more of a technical thing you see like little specks of dust get it it looks like it got on the film stock even um and like it i mean it's not too noticeable but I, I didn't even mind that. I mean, it, it just kind of gave it a, a really unique look. And the opening credits as well. Um, but it's very campy and fun. Definitely. It uh, accomplishes you know, its goal of being a satire of the old classic American Westerns very well. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, the cast, I mean, Clint Eastwood is obviously the star he plays blondie aka uh, i mean he's great he he does his usual thing he plays off of tuco so well clint eastwood still alive by the way 90 years old just recently celebrated his 90th birthday congrats to him i saw a video of uh, his family singing happy birthday to him and as soon as they finish he just goes ah knock it off <laughs> classic clint right there um but i gotta say eli wallach who plays tuco i almost look at him as the heart of this movie absolutely as i can get halfway through the movie i'm just like wow this really does seem like his movie i like i know clint's the star clint's the one who goes on to have this a-list hollywood career but eli wallach he's absolutely hilarious in this movie so many funny bits uh, i love how he's constantly doing the sign of the cross mm. he's actually doing it with the wrong hand he's, he's doing it with his left hand instead of his right but uh, he has so many great lines uh when uh he rescues blondie from the desert they go to this hospital or whatever it is uh the doctor comes out says we have no more beds here and then tuco's like ah oh, let him have yours <laughs> and um just also just like little moments of him like not knowing uh who the commander of the confederate army army was he's like oh what's the general's name again yeah yeah i mean i feel like he has to have like at least half of all lines or something like that yeah yeah because clint he's he doesn't say much he has such a screen presence but it's it's one where he doesn't he doesn't say too much it's more of a given looks and whatnot which is still very powerful but 
yeah, really in the the scenes with the both of them, it's 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 uh, Tuco, Eli Wallach with uh, most of the dialogue. Now, I think this would be pretty controversial today. Um, I I mean I couldn't find too much criticism of it online. So uh, Tuco is obviously a Hispanic character, but the actor Eli Wallach is um, is Jewish. Um, he's American, born New York. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's, I mean, too noticeable throughout the movie. Um, but, um, yeah, if, if this, if this kind of casting happened in a movie that came out in the last five years or even this year, I think, I think Twitter would erupt and go crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, certain things are just, Especially when you look back at something from what uh, over over seventy years ago, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a relic of of, of the time, you know, and and yeah, I mean, I think nowadays we do try to uh, to search for more uh, authentic casting um, situations, but but Wallach certainly gives a fantastic performance, definitely, uh, regardless of any of that. Yeah, I was really impressed because um, he's a very versatile actor. He's played like a mob boss before, just a terrific actor. And then, of course, we have uh, Lee, Von, Lee Van Cleef. Um, he, uh, he seemed to have a more juicier role in the previous Dollars movie uh, for a few dollars more. He's almost kind of the third banana in this movie. He's yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd read that uh, Leone had uh, decided that he wanted to sort of switch his character in this one. From that, that that he thought it would be interesting to take the the character they had and sort of flip it around. Uh, for for this uh, for the third movie in the in the trio. Now, of course, the music is uh, very iconic, parodied so many times. I really like uh, the song towards the end when Tuco gets to the cemetery, um, Sad Hill. It's uh, "Ecstasy of Gold." Uh, Ennio Marcone did the music. I actually forgot that the song "Ecstasy of Gold." was in this movie because I had it on my iPod for a while because Jay-Z actually samples it hmm. in a song, but kind of forgot about it. I mean, when Tuco gets to the cemetery and that starts playing, I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's right. This is this is where that song's from. <laughs> and it just made, I mean, the scene is already pretty epic. It's you're towards the end of the journey and then that music starts playing and it's like, oh my God, yes. So, so good. Just a lot of like uh, certain random facts that caught my eye that, that I looked up. The troops in the American Civil War did actually abuse alcohol a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. So that, that scene made a lot of sense when they meet the Union. Uh, I think it was a general... And yeah, I, I really loved his performance. That, he was good, yeah. Um, the, uh, the set at the end, uh, the big, big circle that they're in immediately, I was like, what, what is this? Like, what, like, what did this used to be? 
Yeah, I, uh, well, just seeing the the cemetery that they were in, uh, I was curious about, like, where they did, because it seemed to be so much that I was like, is this really a set? Or, like, because na- nowadays it would just be, you know, faked, um, you know, CG'd in there. Mm-hmm. But apparently they hired a bunch of Spanish soldiers to make all of those graves. Oh, my God. Like, ma- that's wild. Yeah, like, over the course of, like, two days, they had, like, 140, like, soldiers um, oh my to, like, God. construct the fake cemetery. <laughs> yeah, so... I, I guess they couldn't find um, a suitable cemetery in Spain, so yeah, they they ended up having to build one. I mean, especially considering they were going to dig up two graves, even if they were going to be fake. <laughs> and my <laughs> cemeteries might have had a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And that that w- that was a good twist. With uh, I mean, obviously this is spoilers, but re- we're assuming everyone has seen the movie at this point. Um, the the gold was in uh an unknown marked grave yeah i was i wasn't sure if if blondie was going to know like i wasn't sure if blondie had the information there was never any definite confirmation of that until right at the end um you know and he was constantly put in situations where it was kind of like the only reason you're being kept alive is because you theoretically have this information that we didn't actually see you get you just said you have that's right yeah he could have he could have been bluffing because we we didn't hear this and you know a little suspicious um the, the friend dynamic between him and tuco oh my god that talk about ups and downs oh god yeah <laughs> all the betrayal all the times where it's like oh they're they're now completely enemies, and it's like, oh nope, nope, they're they're back in it again, um, and uh, I don't know that end sequence where uh, I mean throughout the movie, uh, Blondie's thing is uh, shooting uh, the noose that um, Tuco's hanging from. Um, yeah, I was waiting for that callback. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I was. Uh, I was like, oh, man, is he really going to just leave him in this cemetery, let him hang? And I think it, it, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, man, it's even more cruel that he's leaving his share of the gold there. Hmm. <laughs> and if if he's really going to let him die, that being the last thing he sees, him being so close to getting his fortune, but, and just not being able to do it but i was like that that seems harsh yeah yeah i i was really curious because i don't i don't have a good sense for how much like intuitively for how much money back then equates um and so yeah uh, i looked it up and sources say it's about somewhere between 25 and 30 times as much so like $1,000 $1,000 would be, like, $25,000 oh, wow. purchasing power today. And, like, so they were looking between 5 and $6 million oh, worth yeah. of gold that they ended up splitting between the two of them. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That's a, that's a really good uh, chunk of change, um, even in those times. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it is interesting, though, because, like, you know, I mean, when Tuco is worth 
$3,000, you know, even if they're splitting that, uh, you know, between the two of them, um, like that's, you know, a serious, that's like $40,000. They don't just want to live comfortably through their, their trickery. They really want to get really rich. <laughs> yep. Um, just exemplifies how much, how much greed the characters have. Yeah, that's way, way too much greed. And I mean, the the standoff at the end between the three of them. Uh, immediately, I I saw that and was like, oh, this this kind of reminds me of Reservoir Dogs, with with the standoff between three different people. And of course, I looked it up. Yeah, Tarantino is is influenced by that scene. I mean, there's there's just a lot of uh, this movie. I'd imagine it's probably easily in Tarantino's top ten favorite movies. Yeah, I mean, he he's voted for it to be called the best movie of all time oh. for uncertain things. Um, he's referenced it a lot as it being like one of his favorite movies, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Yeah, you, you see that influence. Uh, even in the opening credits, uh, Tarantino uh, does a lot of similar stuff to that kind of campy style. I mean, even scenes where, um, I mean, we see uh, Angel Eyes getting shot at the end. He gets shot once, and then <laughs> uh, Blondie shoots him again, <laughs> and... He rolls over and falls right into an open grave, like almost like. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that is like that. I was like, oh, that, that's like something I'd see in a Tarantino movie. Even like um, the scene where uh, Tuco escapes from uh, being a prisoner on the train. The the guard that has him, <laughs> that that reminded me of something. Yeah, from a Tarantino. <laughs> Apparently, during that scene, uh, they didn't realize how much the like the wheels, like uh, or the apparatus around the wheels, stuck out from around the wheels. So yeah. uh, they were a, l- a lot closer to Wallach's head than he expected, oh, um, and he was like, "Yeah," he like commented that, like, "Yeah." He could have been decapitated if if he'd raised his head up too early. Oh my God! Yeah, I I was wondering that when um, that scene start. I mean, first of all, I was laughing because of the absurdity of it. Him not being able to break out of the handcuffs. He's handcuffed to uh, the the big uh, guy that's guarding him, <laughs> and it's just like a jump cut right to that, and. Uh, it's like, yeah, it was like, that. would that even work? Like, when his head, his head would probably be too close to the rail. But, yeah, no, I, they actually do it in a in a take. And I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, it, it didn't, I guess it didn't look as bad on film. But I'm sure, like, when you're there, it's like, oh, my God, that's, this train is right by my head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No thanks. Uh, yeah, it's crazy the th- things people do for movies. Yeah, I mean that the bridge scene Ooh. is it's it's amazing to see the the giant explosion. 
Um, but <laughs> apparently they, they did run into some issues with that one as well. Oh, yeah. uh, first of all, it was a real bridge that they really hired people to make. Like, it's not like a flimsy thing that doesn't support anything. Mm -hmm. um, so they had to use, like, heavy-duty explosives to <laughs> actually blow it up. Um, and they had to do it twice. Oh, no. Because supposedly, uh, I mean, there's some stories about, like, confusion between the explosive engineers and the and the people who are handling the cameras, but uh, regardless, uh, the cameras got destroyed on the first thing, oh, so they didn't sucks. get any footage, and they had to rebuild the bridge and then re-blow it up. Oh, no, that must have cost so much money. Yeah, it's also only one of the only sources of historical inaccuracy in the film. Oh, yeah? Because dynamite did not exist. Oh, in the Civil War. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have caught that. I I didn't catch that. But that's yeah, it's pretty funny. That that scene where um, they have the the stretcher and they're, they're carrying explosives. <laughs> that was another scene I where love, it just cracked up. I just I love the like font and like the giant text that just says <laughs> explosives on the box. It is so really Looney Tunes style acme esque. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's oh my god, so perfect, so campy. Oh my god, yeah that, and yeah as that explosion happened, I was like, oh wait, there's like there's debris coming towards them. And it, I mean, if it was a movie nowadays, you'd be like, oh, they're probably safe, but maybe they just like threw stuff to make it look like debris coming at them. But uh, back then, th you know, they probably weren't doing that, especially this, this wasn't a U.S. production. They were, they were doing it overseas where, um, you know, some of the, the, the rules on set might be more loose, um, so, yeah, that, that could have been risky. I mean, it was risky, yeah. but, um, I mean, the, the things you do to, to create amazing shots, thankfully, no one was hurt, to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's one Confederate soldier towards the end of the movie. Uh, this is... This is a complete basketball reference, but he he looks like this NBA player, uh, Kyle Korver. Um, it was it was just way too noticeable for me. But if you're an NBA fan, maybe you'll appreciate that. Yeah, um, and then he, uh, uh, Blondie gives him the the cigar. Um, apparently, also uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood not a fan. Of smoking, oh yeah. I so yeah, he he was like really mad that they had to do a bunch of reshoots of scenes, uh, and like he was just like I didn't want to smoke, and we'd be complained that he would be close to throwing up. Oh man! Even though in like, I mean that's part of the Blondie character is the constant cigar. Oh yeah, flicking the the match. The I mean that's that's how Tuco tracks him. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah, he sees that on the ground as he's looking for him. 
But yeah, that that I mean that does make sense. That he was never a smoker. I mean, he's ninety years old now. If he was a heavy smoker, I mean, probably wouldn't have uh, helped his health all that much. But that does make sense. Um, is there any other um, certain uh, things you read about the movie? Uh, any any trivia? Well, I was I was I was kind of wondering something as somebody who saw uh, the entire trilogy. Um, so, like in the U.S., all of those films were released in the same year. Mm-hmm. Like, so how, like, how well do they they play into each other? Because um, this totally works as a standalone experience. Really, just Clint Eastwood playing a similar character. Lee Lee Van Cleef playing um, a similar character in the second and third one. Uh, Lee Van Cleef's not in the first one, and then Eli Wallach is only in this one. And and I think he completely enhances this one. Uh, I mean, I watch. So I really didn't have to watch all of them before this one, but uh, I mean, I'm glad I checked them out. Uh, they're they're both pretty good. Uh, the second one for um, for a few dollars more is on the top two fifty as well, which I'll eventually get to it. It's a, it's higher up on the list, so maybe five years off <laughs> till I get to that one. I'm not gonna go too fast here. Um, and then uh, fistful of dollars, uh, you know, kind of a standard western, but but better than the usual one. Uh, I thought Clint was was great in in that one. I thought that was that was his best performance. That was the the best man with no name performance. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I heard that that was based off of Yojimbo. What's that? Uh, Yojimbo is a really classic uh, samurai movie. Um, really solid movie, by the way. Uh, highly recommend Yojimbo. Um, okay. Which yeah, I believe translates to bodyguard, um, and is like a super influential old black and white uh, uh, movie um, uh, set in set in Japan. Um, and uh, I, there was actually some criticism um, of uh, a fistful of dollars for being like way too close of a of an adaptation of Yojimbo. Oh, okay. Um. Actually, I think I might have read about this. Uh, they they might have been sued. The the um, the makers of this movie might have been sued since it it was just a a straight up remake of something. I might have to verify that again though. Any uh, any last takes or anything like that that you have on the movie? I, I mean, it's really enjoyable all the way through. I mean, I love the 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 landscape shots are gorgeous fantastic um entertaining very varied i i thought that that it, it did a lot um and i mean it's a three-hour movie so yeah um at least in in this the cut that that i saw um i think one of the things i enjoyed the most though was just that it you know you hear that those classic twangs, the the classic whistle, these, I mean, you know, a young young Clint Eastwood sort of in one of the roles that was going to help him become an American star. Um, seeing those 
like the origin point for a lot of those classic classic things was just amazing and yeah uh, was one of my favorite parts yeah i it, it was so good i uh i i, f- I feel like such a, a fraud for <laughs> being a film student and not seeing this till i'm in my 30s like what i don't know I mean, I've I've never really been like a huge Western fan, so maybe that was part of it. Um, this is the the first movie uh, so far on the list that um, you know immediately after I finished it, I was like, I need to have this movie in my collection. Like, I I I, I want the Blu-ray. I want the 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 best quality version and. I watched this on my laptop, and <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, I was like, ah, oh, man, I am not doing this movie justice watching it on a small laptop screen. Like, this needs to be watched, like, on a giant screen movie theater. Yeah. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, even if you don't like westerns, see it. Yeah, I mean, it transcends the genre. It's just great. So good. So good. And uh, Whitman, appreciate you uh, being on this. Appreciate you having me here. 